Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Anna Staver, and this is Ohio Politics Explained, a podcast where you give us 15 minutes and we give you all the news you need to sound smart and impress your friends when you go out this weekend. Welcome back to another episode of Ohio Politics Explained, the post-Roe Ohio edition. This week, we're deep diving into the end of federal protections for abortion access and how that will impact all of us. We're going to explain what is and is not allowed under Ohio's new six-week ban, whether abortions by mail are legal or safe, the lawsuit filed in state court, and how a constitutional amendment to protect access would get before voters. Joining me this week is reporter Laura Bischoff. Hey, Anna. Hey. It's been a year in the news cycle this week. Exactly. It was um, last Friday. Was just it bana- was just bananas, bananas crazy. I'm really proud of the work that our team did on covering the Dobbs decision. Yeah, me too. Our first topic is the six-week ban on almost all abortions in Ohio. This law, which passed in 2019, went into effect on Friday, and it bans all abortions once fetal cardiac activity can be detected, except in to save the life of the mother. So this is about six weeks gestation, and for those who don't know, that's about two weeks from the first day of your missed period. So if you have a super regular 28-day cycle and you take a pregnancy test on day 29, you're already about four weeks and one day pregnant. The law has no exemption for rape or incest, and it's only for physical life-threatening complications like preeclampsia or placental abruptions, which means there's no exemption for, say, a life-threatening mental health condition. Exactly. It's very restrictive. And and the heartbeat bill was, that's what they that's, actually call yeah. it that in, in law, was signed um, by Governor DeWine in January of 2019, shortly after he took office. Yeah, and then it was put on hold by a federal judge because it was challenged. But with the overturning of Roe v. Wade, there's no more federal protection, and therefore the law just went into effect. That's why it happens so immediately. Exactly. And that that was by design by uh, Governor DeWine and Attorney General Dave Yost, who went to court right away and had it lifted by like 6, 6.30 that, that evening. Yeah, and it was a little bit of a surprise. Supporters of abortion access here in Ohio said they thought they would have the weekend. They thought they might even have a couple of days or a full week after the decision. But the judge, which was based in the Cincinnati area, he moves really quickly. Exactly. Anna, do you think that um, like people who are pregnant could get in trouble with this or is it mostly the onus is on the doctor, right? Yes. That, that's very important to know that the six-week ban has criminal penalties. It's a fifth-degree felony up to a year in prison, but it is only for providers of abortion. It is not for someone seeking an abortion. There are no criminal penalties in Ohio code for someone who has what would now be considered a, quote, illegal abortion. I would also note that ectopic pregnancies, which is where the mm. egg, the fertilized egg implants outside the uterus, sometimes in the fallopian tubes, uh, that is exempt from the Ohio um, yes. six-week ban. And there's nothing in the six-week ban that bans access to birth control or emer- emergency contraception such as Plan B. And it also doesn't ban IVF. 
Now, it is worth noting that House Bill 598, so this is not the law of the land. It is something that would ban all abortion here in Ohio. It does say life begins at conception, and there is some concern about how that might impact IVF treatments, but that's not the law right now. Right. I mean, that is a concern for people who have fertility issues and and seek out help, and then they have multiple embryos that are fertilized, and, you know, maybe they don't want to, they want to dispose of those at some point. Yeah. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. So our second topic kind of deals in some of this legal gray area. It's abortion by mail. And I want to be clear that it's not legal in Ohio. The state doesn't allow telehealth for abortions. We require an ultrasound, an in-person visit, and a mandatory waiting period. But, and this is a big but, the six-week ban has no penalties for people who have illegal abortions. Remember, those charges are only for providers, which means there are technically no criminal penalties for meeting virtually with an out-of-state doctor and having the medication shipped to your home. Websites like Plan C and Aid Access are advertised as ways to connect women with what we're now calling self-managed abortion care. Supporters of uh, abortion access say this can be a safe way to do an abortion at home. Opponents say no you could have medical complications. It could be an atopic pregnancy, which um, an abortion and medication will not actually dispel. Like that doesn't work. If you have an atopic pregnancy, you're going to need surgery. You know, what's interesting about this is that, um, you know, back when Roe v. Wade was decided back in 1973, there, there weren't these, this, um, didn't exist. this medication didn't exist. And, and so this is, um, this is a way in which uh, the Dobbs decision, you know, puts a different parameters on it than, yeah. than Roe did, for sure. Yeah, and there's actually another case, a Dobbs case called Dobbs v. Gen Biopro, um, which is the maker of the abortion pill challenging their right to sell it because it's FDA approved, and their argument is it's not about abortion, it's about commerce, and that they have a preempt because the FDA has approved this medication, they have a right to sell it to women in any state. Now, how that'll all shake out, no one knows. Is it the same Dobbs as in Dobbs yes. v. Jackson? Oh. I no, it's wild. And if you wonder whether people would use abortion pills in this way, in this self-managed abortion, there's some numbers from Texas, which I found really fascinating. So that state's civil bounty law went into effect in about September of 2021. And clinics in Texas reported about a 50% drop in in-person visits. Now, anti-abortion groups called this a victory, but the online website Aid Access claims that 85% of that drop can be explained by online orders through their website for abortion pills. And researchers out of the University of Texas Texas in Austin think that almost all of the drop can be explained by a combination of online orders and patients traveling to other states. Another thing that didn't exist in 1973 during Roe versus Wade was the internet as we know yes. it. And uh, all this data can be tracked and, um, and researched. And speaking of traveling to other states, Laura wrote an article for our websites that talks about where Ohioans would have to go if you want to seek a legal abortion in another state. Yeah, it boils down to 
pretty far. Um, you know, not in not in Kentucky because that has that was one of the states that had a trigger law that made all abortions illegal in that state as as soon as Roe versus Wade fell. Uh, not in West Virginia. The only clinic there in Charleston has stopped offering abortions. Michigan is still it's still legal there, but that could change at any moment because there's a temporary injunction blocking this really old law that predates Roe that could go back into effect. Um, Indiana uh, allows abortions up to 20 weeks gestation, or actually they say post-fertilization. But, you know, the lawmakers there have signaled that they may be interested in adding restrictions. In Pennsylvania, there's a couple of clinics in Pittsburgh, um, and it is legal there up to 24 weeks of, of um, gestation. But again, it kind of depends on what the 2022 election results are and who, who gets into office. Yeah. So really, the states where it seems like it's a little more solid for long term would be Illinois and New York. Both of those states, like New York, actually expanded access to abortion in, in 2019 and added protections to providers in 2022. And then Illinois allows for out-of-staters to come in. And also Planned Parenthood of Illinois is expecting like you know 20,000 extra people each year to come into the state for abortion services. Yeah. I used to work in Colorado and Oregon, and both of those states have abortion. They have sort of codified protections, and they're talking about opening those border clinics as well, especially Colorado, which borders like Wyoming, Utah, Idaho, a bunch of states where access is going away. Those are really big states where it's a long drive to get to the state next door. Yeah. Our third topic is a lawsuit in state court here in Ohio. So Planned Parenthood and the ACLU and others have sued on behalf of Ohio's abortion clinics, saying the state constitution has more protections for individual and healthcare rights than the U.S. Constitution, and therefore Ohio should guarantee a legal right to abortion. Yeah, they're pointing to a 2011 constitutional amendment um, that was designed to block implementation of Barack Obama's Obamacare hmm. as evidence that Ohioans really do support uh, the protection of individual autonomy in uh, medical decision making. You know, we'll see if that holds water with the court at all. It and they went directly to the Supreme Court. It's not like it's going to go through Franklin and work its way up. Right. It is interesting. The preterm Cleveland said um, back in, last year that very few abortions are performed before six weeks, only like 1.5%. Um, so this is this six-week marker is, um, it's unusual for people to meet it. Yeah. And that goes back to kind of what we talked about in our first topic. And it's because most people don't know that they're pregnant. You know, for me personally, I don't have that perfect 28 day cycle. It's lovely. It's kind of an illusion, but you might wait a week or you might wait two weeks. You know, sometimes stress, exercise, diet, sleep, a lot of things can delay your cycle. And most women give it kind of a couple days before they test. And then you're looking at a week or less. Right. It comes, comes around fast. Yeah. So our fourth and final topic is about another avenue for those who support abortion access to maybe consider, and that is amending the state constitution. This would be a ballot initiative that could go to voters as early as 2023. So Democratic gubernatorial candidate Nan Whaley has gotten like openly in support of this, but getting on the ballot is expensive. We're talking millions and millions of dollars expensive, and here's why. You have to collect more than 450,000 valid signatures from 44 of Ohio's 88 counties, which means you probably need to hire hundreds of paid petition gatherers. Then you need to advertise and door knock and basically get the vote out. And it's it's like running a for statewide office in a lot of ways. 
Right. And you have to counter um, any kind of uh, uh, opposition that yeah. comes out as well. And I think on this kind of issue, there would be both sides would be, you know, very, spending a lot of money. Yeah. And that's the whole whether this would pass. I think Ohioans generally support some form of abortion access. But what would have majority support is a whole other question. So like a 12 week ban or a 15 week ban with exemptions for rape and incest and life of the mother might be a winning strategy. But would a 24 week ban? I don't know. Like, I think what would go into this amendment would be super important. So our colleague Haley B. Miller, she wrote a story about how this issue is becoming a political point. Like, it's basically abortion is on the ballot in November. Uh, yeah. You have Nan Whaley, the Democrat, who is very much in favor of abortion access rights, and Mike DeWine, who is very much against abortion. So it is interesting to see where this is where this is going to go and how political it is. Yeah, and that's one of the things that Democrats have been bringing up is that the full ban on abortion is likely not to actually happen until after the November election in the lame duck period. And I've heard from some Democrats who are like, yeah, that's because they don't want to run on a ban that doesn't include like a rape exemption. Right. And also in lame duck, they tend to that's when they usually take on a lot of the controversial, yeah. less, less, um, less uh, popular measures. And one more thing before you go. We've got another primary election coming up in August. Yeah, you heard me right. The May primary was just the first of two this year because of the mess that is redistricting. On August 2nd, we will choose who we want to run for the Ohio House and Senate and the major parties' state central committees. And given that state lawmakers are the people who are going to write your abortion laws, um, I would say who you pick is pretty important. So why am I telling you this now? Well, early voting starts on Wednesday and the deadline to register to vote, if you haven't done so yet, is Tuesday. So you need to register and you need to vote. Voting is good. And if you want to learn more about any of the topics we covered, check us out online at any of the newspapers in our network, like the New Philadelphia Times Reporter. That's timesreporter.com. <laughs>